So today is the 28th of May, Sunday, 2017, about quarter past 12 noon, and we are in Sofimir near Oslo in Norway. And the subject is the second epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Thessalonians. And uh, in my introduction I wrote that in his companion Bible E.W. Bollinger writes the following. The second epistle the church of the Thessalonians was, like the first, written from Corinth after the earlier letter, both Silas and Timothy being still with the apostle in Corinth. And Elizabeth, can you read? In chapter 1, after the greetings, Paul, Silas and Timothy thank God for the Thessalonian believers because their faith and love have grown in spite of all their persecutions and tribulations. They tell about the rest which God will give to the believers when Jesus comes from the sky with his mighty angels, and they pray that God would fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. Chapter 2 tells that the day of the Lord will not come before the church has departed and is gathered together unto the Lord Jesus. Then the man of perdition will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the spirit of his mouth. Finally, they thank God for choosing the Thessalonians to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and the believing of the truth, and believing the truth. In chapter 3, they exhort the Thessalonians to pray for them, so that the word of the Lord may spread quickly, and they wish them power, love, and patience from the Lord, and exhort the unruly to work and to be obedient. The epistle ends with... Salutation. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, which means it is good or worthy, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity agape, love, of every one of you, all toward each other, abounded. It means actually, is multiplying. I wrote, is increasing, but it should be, is multiplying. The exhortation to grow in faith and love of the previous epistle, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9-13, through 13, had started to produce results while this epistle was written, and he heard this good news from Timotheus when he came back. Verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in or boast about you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. And tribulations again is lipsis, hard mental pressure, great pressure against the mind. That ye and you. And the word persecutions is diokmos. It is a corresponding noun to the word dioko, which means to persecute. Verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation, that slips it, that mental pressure to them that cause that mental pressure to come, to leave trouble, flee ball, that caused that to come to you. Verse 7, and to you who are troubled, again the same verb, flee from the root slipsis, to recompense rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, mighty is dunamis. The word angels is angelos, it means a messenger, envoy, one who is sent according to Thea's lexicon. The messengers in the Bible are either spirit beings, which is angels, or people who were sent by God, by the devil, or by people. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ has two parts. The first part takes place, as we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Here, the second part of his coming is described. At that time he has already called his church to himself and arrives with them and also with his angels upon the earth. And you can look later, that was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 
verses 11 to 13. But this is now describing the second part of his coming, verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence or the face of the Lord, and from the glory of his power, and this word power is iskos. When actually can be translated, after he shall come, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day so this word when is hotan and the verb shall come in this temporal clause is in second area's subjunctive mode and it indicates that the action of this temporal clause precedes the action of the main clause in verse 9 Therefore, Hotan can be translated here, after. So this verse then describes the first part of the coming of Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 9 and then again. Who shall be punished? Punished with the everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. After he shall come to be glorified in his faith. So after the gathering together. That's the point. Verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, and that power is now dunamis. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech ye, brethren, by, actually, it's better to understand it in the meaning regarding. Now we beseech ye, brethren, regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and regarding our gathering together unto him. And the coming is again Parusha, presents the coming arrival, advent, according to theirs. This word was used about the coming of a duke or a king or some other highly esteemed person. And in the New Testament this is used primarily of the coming of Jesus Christ and only regarding his second coming. It's never used regarding his first coming when he was born and when he was crucified. Only about the second coming. So, regarding that, verse 2 it says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, even as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Here it says the day of Christ, but in the Greek text it hemera kurio. Hemera is the word day, and kurios is instead of Christ. Kurios means the Lord. So. He to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has the power of deciding, Master, Lord, according to theirs, the word curious. According to all critical Greek texts, the word is curious. So it should read, Lord, not Christ. In the Bible there are two things which should not be muddled up or mixed with each other. There is the day of the Lord, which comes from the Old Testament and then there is the day of the Lord Jesus Christ or the day of the Lord Jesus or the day of Christ Jesus or the day of Christ which is in the New Testament my point is that there are so many different ways they express that either with Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ and then also according to context you need to read in the context in order to understand but the day of the Lord in the Old Testament are the words Yom, that means day, and Jehovah, Jehovah, which means Jehovah. In the Old Testament the matter is actually simple, but in the New Testament records, like I said, you have to see the context and whether the words Jesus or Christ or, or both are used in that verse. We will soon start looking up some of these records as we'll be ready with Isaiah chapter 2. But I need to explain to you something. 
in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, which was made a few hundred years before Christ came by Greek-speaking scribes, the word Jehovah is always translated by the word Kyrios. I think one part of the reason is that um, at some time they were afraid of mentioning the name of God because Jehovah is the name of God, his proper name. It can refer to only him, nobody else. That God who created the heaven and earth is Jehovah. Actually it means I will become what I will become. That is Jehovah. And that's used only about him, nobody else. Elohim, that means God is used of the devil also. But Jehovah is used only about that God who created the heaven and earth. So they were afraid to mention his name. So therefore there are over 3000 places in the Old Testament where they replaced the Hebrew word Jehovah with the Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord. Like the Lord, Her General, Her. The word Her is the word Curious, is the word Lord. Anybody can be a Lord. Just about anybody can be a Lord. As soon as he has some servants or soldiers to command, right? But Jehovah is not Lord. He is the one that got everything started. So people get mixed up with that because Curious is used for Jehovah. When we come to the New Testament side where Jesus Christ is the Lord, He is the Lord, Curious. But then there are places in the New Testament which are quoted from Old Testament. And when you go to the Old Testament place, then you can see the word that is used is Jehovah. Well, then that, that should be also in the New Testament, Jehovah. But then they get muddled up and they say that Jesus is Jehovah. Because he is curious. He is the Lord. But he is not. He is the Son. However, this is in the background. And now we are ready to read Isaiah, the whole chapter 2. Can you read? The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to teach of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines and they please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, neither is there any end of the chariots. Their land also is full of idols, they worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself. Therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty and upon every one that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up and upon all the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, and upon all the hills that are lifted up, and upon every high tower, and upon every fence wall, and upon all the ships of Tarshish, and upon all pleasant pictures. And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and the idols he shall utterly abolish, and they shall go into the holes of the rocks, 
and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made, each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? So that gives a kind of um, the scenery. In verse 2 it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days. And then in verse 12 it says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and so far. So we are talking about the day of the Lord. And now in most versions of um, English Bibles, in Old Testament, when the Lord comes from Jehovah, it's spelled with uh, capital letters, like in verse 11 and verse 12. Cannot see that in here now. How is it in the Norwegian Bible? Herre. Is that Herre or what? Is it with large capital letters? Yeah. Well, the whole word, capital letters. Yeah, that's the point. They passed it on into the Norwegian uses also. That tells you that the word behind it in the Hebrew is Jehovah, not Adonai. Adonai means Lord, like Kyrios means Lord. But Jehovah is behind this Lord when it's with capital letters. That helps a lot. Every time you read in the Old Testament the word Herre with uh, capital letters, then it stands for Jehovah. We continue Isaiah 13, verses 6 and 9. Verse 6. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord, Jehovah, is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. And verse 9. Behold, the day of the Lord, Jehovah, cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. So you can see in context what happens on the day of the Lord Jehovah. And that day of the Lord Jehovah is not one day. Like gathering together is one day, it happens at one day, at, at some point in that day. But the day of the Lord is a long period of time when all these things happen. In Jeremiah 46 verse 10, For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate, and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord Adonai, God Jehovah, of hosts, hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. These words, the day of the Lord God of hosts, should read like this. For that day is the, the Lord Jehovah of hosts, and the word Lord is Adonai. For that day is the, the Lord Jehovah of hosts. Then Ezekiel 30, the word of the Lord Jehovah came again unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus said the Lord Adonai, God Jehovah. Howl ye, woe worth the day. For the day is near, even the day of the Lord Jehovah is near. A cloudy day, it shall be the time of the heathen. And then Joel, chapter 1, verse 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord Jehovah is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. And then chapter 2. Verse 11 and verses 28 to 32. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord Jehovah cometh, for it is nigh at hand. Elizabeth, can you read uh, all the way until the end of Acts? And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord, Jehovah, 
is great and very terrible, and who can abide it? And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord Jehovah come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jehovah shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord Jehovah shall call. Amos 5, 18-20 Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord Jehovah! To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord Jehovah is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion, and a bear met him, or went into the house, and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord Jehovah be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Zephaniah 1, 14-16 The great day of the Lord Jehovah is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord Jehovah, the mighty man, shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. Malachi 4, 1-6 For behold, the day cometh, that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord Jehovah of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the store, and he shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord Jehovah of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord Jehovah. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest they come and smite the earth with a curse. Acts 2, 16-21 But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord Jehovah come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes, so that is the quotation from those verses 28 through 32 that we read on the previous page. Very similar. And there in verse 20 in Acts 2, the day of the Lord, because it comes from the Old Testament, day of the Lord, which is the day of Jehovah, should be also here understood, the day of the Lord Jehovah. Then 1 Corinthians 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, For I verily as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This is in the context in 1 Corinthians 5, where there was a man who was keeping his mother's wife. And then Paul said that 
the youth should have told him not to do so and you should have put him outside of the church. In verse 5, the day of the Lord Jesus. So this is example of kind of difficult place because the texts are divided about this verse. Some say the day of the Lord, others say the day of the Lord Jesus or the day of Jesus Christ, etc. But in the context you can see the point is that that fellow is going to be saved. So he's going to be at the gathering together. Therefore, this must be the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gathering together that he's referring to. Mm. By the context you can see. Then Second Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with the great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So you can see this is the day of the Jehovah. Day of Jehovah, right? All these things happening then. Revelation 1.10 I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Okay, now we're going to look up some records about the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gathering together. Lord's Day, the day of the Lord Jehovah. Much of Revelation is dealing with it. However, 1 Corinthians 1.8 Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when he comes to gather the church, that day we're going to be blameless. 2 Corinthians 1.14 as also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. So at the gathering together, Paul can say, okay, all these people, they heard the word from me. And they can say, yes, there is the Paul, we learned from him, all this word. So that's on the day of gathering together, rejoicing. Philippians 1, 6 and 10, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Like I said yesterday, the principles of this time of grace that especially have been explained in Paul's epistles will continue all the way till the gathering together. No matter what kind of things happened during the six trumpets before, but God is going to take care of us according to the principles of this time when we believe God. Like Thursday evening we noticed that if God was able to give Jesus Christ 72,000 angels, that's 12 legions of angels, when he was being captured, that same Christ is in us now. So God will send his angels to protect us no matter what happens in here when we believe and turn to him. This is the point of the study. To get so strengthened that you can trust God's promises, that he really is going to do what he said. He really is going to take care of us until the gathering together, and then we are with him anyway. Verse 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. The same thing. We are here and our contention our battle with the devil lasts until that time. Okay, there is more battle to do, but then we are going to be all together with Christ himself in those battles. Philippians 2.16 Holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Again, at the gathering together, he can see all these people are here because I did my work. I did what God asked me to do. All right. Uh, there are more places of those, there are not all, but I just wanted to show you some of them. So you get clear the difference. There is one day of the Lord Jesus, or the Lord Jesus Christ, what's the gathering together. And then the day of Jehovah is a period of time where all the judgments and all the other things happen. But now we go back to Second Thessalonians and chapter 2 and verse 3. There it says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin 
lawlessness be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. So, here is a falling away. That's the Greek word apostasia. It is a noun. It is used two times, here and in Acts 21-21. And people think that this falling away is a falling away from believing. Well, if we read the Old Testament and look at the human history, all these 6,000 years back that we have been here, it is like one falling away all the way through. Falling away from believing. So it cannot mean falling away from believing. Absolutely impossible that it means that. So what does it mean? We don't know yet. We need to study. Acts 21, 21 it says, And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake. That's the word apostasia, noun, Moses. So into forsaking Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise the children, neither to walk after the customs. You are forsaking, you are leaving Moses. Something to do like that. But it is difficult to see what the real meaning of the non-apostasia in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 can be based on this another place. So we need to examine some more. There is another noun which is almost the same and that is apostasion. Instead of A at the end O-N apostasion. And this is used three times in the New Testament and here are all the usages of it. Matthew 5.31 It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. The words a writing of divorcement is translated from the word apostasion. Matthew 19.5-8 And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say in the hand, why did Moses then command to give a writing? That is now a biblion. Biblion. The writing is biblion of divorcement apostasion and to put her away he said unto them Moses because of the hardness of your hearts suffered you to put away your wives but from the beginning it was not so and the last place is in Mark 10 verse 4 and they said Moses suffered to write a bill biblion of divorcement apostasion and to put her away so Three places in always the same context, man and woman being together in a marriage, departing from each other. It's apostasia, divorce, right? Everybody understand. Okay, then there is another word from the root apostasia, and that is a verb, which is the word aphistemi, it comes from the same root. This word aphistemi has been used 14 times in the New Testament. And we look through all the uses of it. Luke 2, 36 and 37. And there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. So 84 years she had been a widow, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So she was over 100 years old, because seven years she had lived with her husband after they had been married, and then he had died and she was living 84 years long after the husband's death. And it says, which departed of his temi, not from the temple, but served God. She did not depart from the temple. It says, who did not depart from where? This Anna didn't depart from the temple. 
Luke 4.13 And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. From him is Jesus Christ. The devil departed from Jesus Christ. Very clearly said, who is departed and from whom? Then Luke 8.13 They on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away so here you can see in the context that they fall away from believing in this particular verse you can see that they fall away from believing context shows that to you Luke 13 27 but he shall say I tell you I know ye not whence you are depart from me all ye workers of iniquity depart Jesus Christ says depart from me very clearly you need to depart from me who departs from whom is clear Acts 5 37 and 38 after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away that is of his name drew away much people after him he also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain again, the same word, afistemi, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it's from God, then you cannot. You cannot resist him. That was Gamaliel saying these things. Two times in this context. And you can see in both places clearly what happened, who departed or who went with him or who, with whom. Very clearly said. Acts 12.10 When they were passed, the first and the second ward they came on the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him, from Peter. Peter was in prison and God's angel came there to get him out. And when they came out of the prison, then he, the angel, departed from him, Peter. Acts 15, 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So, this is uh, about John Mark that was with Barnabas and Paul earlier, but he departed from them in Pamphylia. Therefore Paul said, no, I'm not going to take you with me. I can't trust you. But it's clearly said that John Mark departed from Paul and Barnabas. Acts 19.9 But when the divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he, Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. Again clearly said who departed and from whom. Acts 22-29 Then straight away they departed from him which should have examined him and the chief captain also was afraid after he knew that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Again talking about Paul. They, these chief people departed from Paul because they got afraid. 2 Corinthians 12.8 For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. That is in Paul's prayer. He wanted to get rid of the messenger of Satan and he prayed that this messenger of Satan might depart from him. Then 1 Timothy for one, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now it says very clear, Aphistemi shall depart from the faith. Here it says to depart from the faith, go away from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In 2 Timothy 2.19, nevertheless the foundation of God standeth sure, Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. 
and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Um, Hebrews 3.12 Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Afistemi. So we looked up all the places about Afistemi, which is um, from the same root as Apostasia in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 and we can go back to that verse now. It says there, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin, lawlessness, be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. So this verse does not tell who or what is departing or falling away, nor from what. It just doesn't tell any of these things. Like in all the previous records we read. Therefore we need to see those things in the context. So let's read again verses 1 to 3 from chapter 2. The verse 1 deals with the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with Him. And this is described in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 18. However, we read on page 3 is uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, regarding the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and regarding our gathering together unto Him. Next page is verse 2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, even as from us, as the day of the Lord is at hand. And then comes verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, lawlessness, be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. So, the only thing that in this context is departing is the church, the believers. Then the believers shall be caught up in the clouds to the Lord. They will depart from this world. This is what happens and this should be called a departure in verse 3. So, this verse 3 should read like this. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that they shall not come, except there come a departure first, and that man of lawlessness be revealed, the son of perdition. Is everybody with me? Do you understand? Yeah. So, it is not in the verse, but it's in the context. The thing that is departing are the believers. The body of Christ is departing. Very clearly, that is what it has to be. Verse 4, then it continues to explain about um, this son of perdition, son of destruction, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not, that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. The word withholded is kateko, to hold back, detain, retain. So the body of Christ is the one that withholds. As long as the body of Christ is here, then these things shall not really start happening. Verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity, lawlessness, doth already work. Only he that which, or only that which now letteth, will let until he be taken out of the way. So let us will let these words are not in the text really. So to make it easy to understand I would translate this verse like this. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only that which holds it back will do so until it is taken out of the way. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 
Only that which holds it back will do so until it is taken out of the way. And then we come to verse 8. And then will that wicked lawless one be revealed from the Lord. And then all the texts add here the word Jesus. From the Lord Jesus, whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the spirit of his mouth. That is by his words. And shall destroy with the brightness, actually should be with the appearance of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. But now, according to the Greek syntax, and then if we consider in verse 8 the word brightness, actually it is the word appearance. Right now in all the text that I was able to look it up is in dative case. And then <coughs> kind of supports this kind of translation in here. But the difference between dative and accusative case is just one letter. The letter N at the end of the word is missing, then it's dative, and if the letter N would be at the end, nu, at the end, it would be an accusative case. And if it was this word appearance, in accusative case it could be translated and understood like this. I read verses 8 and 9. And then will the lawless one be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will consume with the spirit of his mouth and will annul or stop the appearance of him, of his coming, whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. The word coming parusa in verse 9 is clearly referring to the lawless one. But then if it's understood like that, it refers also in the last sentence of verse 8 to the lawless one. The difference is not really great, but if you understand like they translate, then you have to add these words, even him in there. And uh, the relative pronoun u refers very clearly actually to him whose coming we are dealing with. In this case, is the coming of the lawless one. And Jesus Christ will put it to an end. He will annul it, he will stop it. Okay, the same thing will happen no matter how we understand this. Whether we understand this or that way, it doesn't really matter. Verse 10, and with all deceivableness, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received or accepted not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that's again plané, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, judged, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, Britain beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So God hath from the beginning chosen, hath chosen his higher or to take for oneself to choose to prefer. God did this choosing to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. The sanctification of the Spirit took place when they believed the truth, and that is when they were chosen. They heard the truth, they believed it, they accepted it, and they were chosen. And that's the beginning of the Thessalonians. It doesn't mean that they were chosen before the founders of the world. They were chosen when they believed. Verse 14. Whereunto salvation he called, that's Kaleo to call, you by our gospel to the obtaining of or having the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions. That word is paradosis. The word paradox comes out of paradosis. It means a giving over which is done by word of mouth or in writing, according to theirs which ye have been taught, 
whether by word or our epistle. So he's exhorting them to stand fast and hold on to the teachings that they had heard from him or received by the epistle that he sent them. Written or spoken word. That's what he's referring to. Verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, paraklesis, or exhortation, and good hope, that's Elpis, true grace. Comfort or exhort your hearts, guardia, and establish you in every good word and work. So, how would you know these things? Unless these epistles were written and you can read them. How would you understand that Christ is coming back? In what order he is coming back? What's the first part of his coming? And what's the second part of his coming? If you cannot read this. Or if you don't want to read this. So if you decide that you don't want to read this, then it means you don't want to know it. And you will want to stay unknowing. Idiotes. Uh, let's now read Mark 13, 1 through 37, and then uh, Luke 21, 5 to 36. Both of these records describe the first part of the coming of Jesus Christ, second coming, and the times before it. Second coming, first part, and times before it. Elizabeth, go ahead. Mm. Mark 13. And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars, be ye not troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten. And you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak. Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son. The children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand. Then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein, to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back, for to take up his garment. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, and pray that your flight be not in the winter, for in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of the creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. And except that the Lord hath shortened those days, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. And then, if any man shall say to you, Lo, he is Christ, or lo, he is there, believe him not, for false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. And the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. 
And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So, shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, Nephile again, in clouds. He comes once in clouds. That's the same identical uh, occasion that we're talking about. Can you continue? Verse 27. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putting and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So ye in like manner when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So in verse 30 it says, Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. The word generation is in Greek genea, and it can mean generation, but it also can mean a family or people in the same family of people in the same nation. So, according to context, it has to refer here to the nation of Israelites. We're talking about especially Israelites, that they will still be there until all these things have happened. Then was Luke, <coughs> what did I say? Luke 21. We read it yesterday in Matthew 24, verse 34. I think it's the same word, Genea generation. Luke 21, <coughs> beginning with verse 5, and the verse 36. And some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts, he said. As for these things, which ye behold, the days will come, in which there shall not be left one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. But when ye shall hear wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then he said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall be there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gain, say, nor resist. And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish, in your patience possess you your souls. And when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then you know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Okay, so Jerusalem is the center place, compassed with armies. Whenever that happens, then you will see we're going to get closer to these end times. Continue, 21. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon the people. 
and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led into, away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So, again, coming in a cloud, Nephilim. That one identical same time we are talking about. Continue. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, let at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Yes, so it was again in um, verse 32, Verily I say unto you, this generation, Genea, this family, these people, this nation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. The Israelites will be there. Okay, we can continue in chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray. <coughs> That's the word prosukemai in Greek, which the most common word for prayer in Greek. Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course, means may run, is the word treko, to run. That the word of the Lord may run and be glorified even as it is with you. Verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will strengthen you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you. And, or may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for. These words waiting for are not in the text. It should read patience and endurance of Christ. In the patience and endurance of Christ. Verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition, again, paradosis, the teaching by mouth and word which you receive of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow or imitate us. That's the mimete. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for not. That means for free. We didn't eat anybody else's bread for free. But wrought with labor. That's again Gopo's hard work. And travail mocked us. Drudgery. Drudgery. Night and day. That we might not be chargeable a burden to any of you, not because we have not power to make ourselves an example again, dupos, unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded to you, that if any would not, does not want to come from the word thalo, to desire eagerly, does not want to work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness or with peace they work and eat their own bread. But ye brethren be not weary or be not tired in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, 
and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, through everything, by all means. The Lord be with you all, the salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And the word Amen is not in the text. It is omitted according to some texts. So, this pretty short epistle, but it makes it so clear that the end times will not start happening before they gather together. There are going to be evil times, wars and all kinds of fights. And the interesting things happen in the sun and the moon and in the skies before the gathering together. But the real bad stuff is after that. The wrath of God is after that. The day of judgment is after that. The day of the Lord Jehovah is after that. And we will be with Jesus Christ. And we will come with him upon the earth in the second part of his coming when he does the judgment and all these things. We will be renewed. We will have our resurrection body, the same kind of a body as he has. And until that time, until that gathering together, all the principles of this time of grace will function the same way as they function today. So now when times are easy, it's the time to learn the belief because the times are going to get tougher. Mm -hmm. All the time, tougher and tougher. Mm -hmm. But when you believe and you go to God, He will have His 72,000 angels to send to help you, because there is Christ in you. So, with this exhortation, we finish today.